Welcome to Great Commission Conversations, a program where we engage in conversation with Bible-believing Christian workers who are serious about getting the gospel around the world. I'm Lee Cadenhead, a missionary to Zimbabwe, Africa, sent out of Cornerstone Baptist Church in Carthage, Tennessee, and your host for this Great Commission Conversation. Most of my guests for these conversations are missionaries, the men on the front lines of foreign fields actually engaged in cross-cultural evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. But obedience and fruitfulness in our Great Commission obligations requires more than just missionaries. The missionary effort is undergirded by missions-minded stateside churches that pray and give. We hear that term a good bit, missions-minded. Missions-minded churches are pastored by missions-minded pastors. I was in a missions conference recently at Bethany Independent Baptist Church in Cortland, Mississippi, pastored by Brother Tim Ellis. In today's program, Brother Ellis and I talk about being missions-minded and what that means for a local church. Brother Ellis started the church there in North Mississippi back in 2001, and he tells the story in this interview of how they began supporting missions from their inception. Brother Ellis has helped many other churches try to get a mind to do something for missions through Faith Promise Missions Giving, and he's also traveled extensively around the world taking short-term mission trips and exposing other pastors to world missions. I really enjoyed my conversation with Brother Ellis, and I hope that it will encourage and provoke your missions-mindedness. With that introduction, let's get into the conversation with Pastor Tim Ellis. Brother Ellis, you're about as passionate about worldwide missions as any pastor I know. So I wanted to speak with you about what it means to be a mission-minded church, and I wanted to start with asking you about how you developed your deep interest in global missions. So how did you get exposed to the need of the gospel around the world? I think it came from being part of a local church that uh, was catching a vision for missions about the same time that I got born again. And some good men laid that burden before us. Uh, Brother Billy Allen was one of those men, and Brother Jack Wood uh, was one of those men. Brother Homer Smith, uh, just when we were connected with those men, it just uh, they became kind of heroes to us. And so we got involved in what they were involved in and soon became our own heartbeat. Amen. So you were exposed early on as a Christian to giving to missions, right. around missionaries, right. that kind of thing. And I guess that uh, when you came to Bethany Baptist Church or when you established uh, Bethany Baptist Church here in Cortland, Mississippi, a heart for missions was sort of worked into the DNA of the church here. So uh, if you don't mind, tell us about when the church started, how the Lord got you here and how missions became was has always been a major part of what you're interested in investing in here at Bethany. Well, in my young years as a preacher, uh, I was taught, Brother Ellen always taught us that the best diet for any church was a missionary diet. And all the mission, all the churches that I knew that were on fire or had any real reason were missionary churches, churches that were involved in mission work. Yeah. So, and, and I had developed, I'd been saved a good long while when we started this work uh, and been preaching for a good long while. And we had developed, I was already preaching missions conferences and missions, uh, missions meetings and taking various mission trips. But, so I just knew that I thought a local church could be started from the very outset with a missions mindset. So when we started this work, it was a miraculous thing. Uh, we we began in a little old 20 by 40 block building that really is the place in this little community that they voted in. They just let me have the voting house. <laughs> and so there's where we started. So we met on the, we met the first Wednesday night in 2002. And, uh, so it was a strange service. We sang one song, and we took on two missionaries. And then we sang another song, and we took on another missionary. So before we ever had a preaching service, we barely had a prayer. We had had three missionaries. It was uh, sounds kind of strange, but you know, my two sons, adult sons, were uh, they weren't one was married, one was not married. But they were working, and they had been. They grew up supporting missions. My daughters were there. They grew up supporting missions. So I knew we could carry some missionaries, and my wife and I. So we we just wanted this church to be built on that. 
Sunday morning, we took on two more. So we had five in the first week. Well, what do you say to a young man that's getting started or maybe a brother that is looking at establishing a work? Because there are voices a lot of times that will say, listen, you need to get you a building. You need to get established. You need to get you some people. You worry about missions and giving to missions later on. What's your what's your answer to a to a brother that's getting something started? Well, the command is in Acts chapter one verse eight. Go both. Yeah. And the problem with that linear philosophy is it's not biblical. It's just, and I'm a pretty simple guy, so I just got to believe the book. I don't know how to do anything else, but the book's way. The book said go both. And I know that in the business world they believe in this. They wouldn't want to start. They want to, if you want to turn out work, you want to use all the valuable time you've got. So I think a church ought to have a 24-hour mindset. They ought to be trying to support, have some missionary getting up on the other side of the world, doing the same work of God they're doing on this side of the world, and we're doubling our efforts, our time. So when it's really a basic idea with me that he said, let's do them both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other parts of the earth. Plus, if a, a church that's turned inward, Yes. Will turn on itself. That's right. Just a matter of time. It's got to have an outward, it's got to be looking out. You know, really, you know, I'm really just a country boy. And a great example of that to me is, you know, if you, we got a lot of cow ponds and cow pools around this place. And uh, they sit there and stagnate. And they yeah. grow bugs and worms and snakes. And if you get in them, they'll hurt you. They'll poison you. They're poison. <laughs> yeah. But if that thing's flowing out, it's clean. It's wonderful. And so God, the Lord Jesus came to this earth to, to seek and save that which was lost. And I think the church ought to be involved. That ought to be their, their heartbeat. Amen. Amen. And I, brother, I know you've experienced it. I certainly have experienced it uh, as a pastor. I've, I've witnessed it in other ministries. It's amazing how when you are invested in the things that are near to the, to the heart of God, that God will get you what you need when you need Absolutely. it. And he, he, he and in ways that we would not expect. Yeah. It's a five-day promise, preacher. Second, in Second Corinthians chapter 9, I guess it's about verse 8, where it says he promises all things and all sufficiency, yes. all ways. It's, it's five A's there. And those five A's are not applicable to you just because you're out here in the church. That's a missions context. Yes. And if that church is missions-minded, it's doing what God wants it to do. And I believe God will supply uh, what that church needs, the people it needs. There's a certain number. I, mean, I don't. We don't count noses here, but there's a certain number of people that I need here to carry out the work that God's given us to do. And it seems that God furnishes those people at the right times to do what God wants to keep this work going and to keep those missionaries supported. Amen. It's God. It's God's business, and He does the accounting. Absolutely. We're faithful. Well, you've referenced Second uh, Corinthians right there. Of course, the the context of those couple of chapters it starts by pointing to the example of the Macedonians mm -hmm. and the way that they invested in Paul right. and in the poor saints at Jerusalem. And uh, another, the same principle is found in Philippians chapter four, of course, exactly right. where those those Philippian believers invested in Paul. And then God gave them that great promise right. that the Lord would provide for their needs. Yeah. But that was a conditional promise Absolutely. in the context of Philippians chapter four. Yeah. You can't claim those. We claim those verses all the time, but we claim them out of context. That's <laughs> missions verses. And that's right. why God gives it on that. It's a moreover promise. It starts with that word moreover in Second Corinthians chapter eight. And it's uh, Brother Allen would always say it's a second mile ministry. That's Amen. what God's looking for. Well, why don't you elaborate on that? I've heard you make that reference to uh, to a moreover ministry, and that's really uh, that's sort of your heartbeat in preaching missions and trying to motivate churches about this business right. of giving to missions. So, what do you mean by a moreover ministry? Well, I, I believe that I believe that the the mission church has a it's a grace, and you know, and I'm I make no bones about it. I'm a faith promise guy. I believe that God's way of supporting missions. Is faith promise. I don't believe it's just a good way to do it. I believe it's a biblical way. I believe you've got three chapters in the Bible. Hardly anything in the Bible is given three consecutive chapters, but it is to how to support the great. God wouldn't give us a command to go in all the world and not tell us how to get it done. So that's, as far as I'm concerned, that's the way that happens. But it, it also generates a mindset, an atmosphere. So in a missions-minded church, people are not expecting God to just do the normal. 
They're expecting God to do something supernatural. They're not afraid to believe God. Uh, it's all he said that I might be stretched, stretched to the regions beyond. We're, it's a stretching ministry. And it, everybody's faith has got to be stretched. And so this moreover ministry allows us to stretch. It allows us to enlarge our footprint. You know, I would have I would have been born and raised and died right here in North Mississippi uh, if it had not been for the mission program. But because of working world missions, I've got friends that yes. are friends enough. I can sleep in their home at any time all over this whole world. Yes, sir. And uh, we've been able to have a footprint that reaches out and touches uh, lives, countless lives of people we don't even know. And it's really been a really good deal because credit had been put on our account while somebody else is doing the lion's share of the work. Amen. You know, you we, just, you know we just can't beat it. And uh, it's been a great opportunity. And it's also, it's also been an opportunity to learn how to listen to God. You know, we, if you're going to be involved in this mission's work on a great, a great scale, you got to be able to hear God specifically. Because there's certain missionaries that you want to help, but God says, no, not right now. There's some that there's nothing wrong with. It's just that God's got a plan for you to use your resources someplace else. So you've got to get particularly close to the Lord if you're going to be a good uh, steward of his assets. And so that, that develops a difference in the church. It's just... He said, Paul said, develop this grace also, this gift. I'm giving you this gift. And this gift is that you can be involved with me in my work in faith promise. And so I think that's what makes mission churches peculiar. Amen. They got a special touch from the Lord. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, you mentioned having having gone on mission trips, uh, I guess, probably pretty early on. Yeah. And uh, the Lord, as a pastor, the Lord let you travel all over the world, visiting different mission fields, different missionaries. How did you get involved in taking mission trips? And how do you think that that international travel and that exposure to foreign missions has helped to shape you as a pastor and help to cultivate your heart for missions and leading your church to be a missions-minded church? Well, the Lord said to his disciples, look upon the field. Look upon the fields. He had a great emphasis on seeing. And I don't believe you're ever going to get anybody to do more until they see more. And they got to get out there and see that need. Uh, the, uh, the average independent Baptist pastor is busy out there beating himself to death trying to build a work. And uh, he's been taught a set of tools. But if he'll just go to the mission field, he can get his mind wrapped around how God is really working and it doesn't. Sometimes these people don't have what we have. They don't have the they don't have the machinery that we have. But they're getting something done. So seeing that work puts that burden in your heart. I I was just a kid. I just just been saved uh, there in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, back in 1981. And shortly after, I probably somewhere around the middle 80s, we got tangled up with Brother Wood and uh, started making these. He took us took us to Mexico. First time I ever went anywhere out of the country, I went to Mexico with Brother Wood, and uh, saw the work there at Brother Sonny Fritz's place. And for the next 25 years, we were going to Mexico once or twice a year. And then, you know, it developed into the Philippine works, and it developed into the, 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 the works in the Indian reservations, and the works up in Alaska, and the works in New Guinea, and I don't know, just all, all around this world, uh, there's open doors uh, to get on that field and to see it. And to participate with it, and one of the greatest things that God ever gave me the opportunity of doing, I think, was carrying these preachers. After I got where I could travel, and uh, I'm the le I'm the last guy in the world anybody would think could travel internationally. But uh, after I got where I could travel, I was able to carry preachers. And for many years, I could take a truck below the preachers, and they could see this work, meet these people, and go home and get their church involved. Amen. Because without the pastor, brother Lee, without the pat well. Without the pastor being a hundred percent behind this mission's work, willing to pay the price to get yes. it done, the church won't ever catch that vision. But if, if that pastor gets behind this work, that church will catch this vision. Once, once it, when that church gets a hold of this vision, it's it's amazing what those people will do for the glory of God in that in the world of missions. And uh, it's one thing to give your money, but these mission-minded churches start giving their children, sending them to the mission field sending their, their relatives, then, then that's when the work of God is really growing 
and uh, God can see what God can use that place. As a pastor, taking mission trips was a great privilege of mine, and I found it to be, I, I'm convinced that for our church, that it was a net gain every time, every time. But, because whatever the investment was to take that trip, it had some spiritual dividends yes. that helped to motivate the local ministry. And I always felt like it was a, it, it was profitable for our local church yeah. to engage that. I just don't think it's a, it will be hard to get to really describe how much an active mission trip. I believe it so much at one point, one, one place in our place, we took, I took 42 people from the church <laughs> at one time to, to Mexico. Uh, and, uh, uh, now, now I'm traveling so much that, you know, my, my life insurance company thinks I'm a missionary. They don't want to carry me because I'm a missionary, but, uh, I'm not, I'm a pastor. And, uh, I had to surrender preacher, honestly, not to go to the mission. Uh, my heart's desire has always been to get there and get out among the people, get lost somewhere and do something for the glory of God. But several years ago, the Lord finally settled it for me. Uh, David's job was not to build a temple. David's job was to gather the materials for the temple. So my job is to travel around these little places. I don't go to big churches, small churches, and uh, raise this idea of world missions and home missions as a as a as a, uh, a group enterprise, both things going at the same time, and. Uh, raise men and money and burdens and prayers for the missionaries on the field. That's kind of the job that God's given me in this season of my life. And so we're thankful for that. Amen. I do wish that, uh, that more men, God called men, uh, to be honest with you, even, even perhaps some pastors, I wish more men would consider uh, worldwide missions, foreign mission service. I think if we're studying the Bible and looking seriously at the Great Commission, that it's something that we have got to wrestle with. Yes. But this enterprise does not go on without strong missions-minded churches. Absolutely. That's why I want to have this conversation with you. We've got to keep the home fires burning, and we've got to stay, stay stirred. And you've made the observation already, if if pastors are not engaged, if they don't develop a burden, if they're not on board, Really and truly, you can have you can have a good number of sincere people in the pew. This thing's not going to get off the ground in the way that God would like for it to. All that church is going to do is tip the missionary when he comes back. Yeah, they're going to tip him and give him a, a token offering for his his uh, his service. Thankful to him, but it will never become the heart cry of that church or the work of God. And that's what the that's what the burden is 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 reaching souls for the glory of the Lord and. And, and, and it's not just reaching souls. It's reaching these people for the glory of God and teaching God's way. David said that, that, that in, in, I guess, Psalm 67, that our saving health be the nations. It's, it's taking this work of God to the nations, the Christian life, the Christian home, the Christian work, save soul. It needs to go. But the motivation can't be the souls. The motivation has to be the glory of God. It has to be that God is worthy and we're going because this is the work that God gave us to do because there's something worse than these people dying going to hell and that is that God does not get what he paid for Amen. on Calvary's cross. And so, but again, I can't reemphasize if I was a pastor, I tell all my, I've got about five or six around the country call me pastor and every one of them involved in missions and mission work. I believe if I was a pastor, I'd study my, my my Bible on a regular basis, and I'd find me some books about missionaries. Yes, sir. And I'd read some manuals about good missionaries. I'd, I'd study this thing. I'd think about this thing. I'd try to get my mind expanded from just a Western mindset to a worldwide mindset. If I had to, if I had to go alone to missions conferences, I'd find me a couple I could go to and just get fed there, and then I'd come back to my church. I'd get a mission. Somebody could preach on missions there, and I'd get that thing moving in my church. That's good, brother. That's that's another. That's one of the questions I wanted to ask you: is how can a pastor help to feed his heart and his burden for missions? 
and taking mission trips is a big one. That that's a that's a huge help. Uh, but you propose to to read some missionary books, some missionary biographies. There's probably a, outside of the Bible, brother Ellis. I believe that reading missionary biographies, reading the biographies of great men, mm-hmm. has been more of a help to me and stirred in my heart the desire to serve the Lord Jesus Christ with my whole with my whole Absolutely. life, as much as anything else. Yeah, because you're doing God's part. You know, we're always looking inward all the time. You know, we're trying in the day and age we live in. It's all about me. It's all about what God can do here. God forget. God forgave my sins. Here's an observation I've made in the in the last years in the missions work conferences. Years ago, if we went to a missions conference, somebody was always singing uh, something about the Lord send me. My house is full. My my fields are empty. But now we're singing songs about the Lord send somebody. <laughs> our, our our minds have changed. We're looking inward. What God can do for me? But that eye that's looking out there, and God has had a mind for the stranger. From the beginning, even one of the Levitical laws yes. was, you've got to leave the, the stranger's got a right. That's He's right. got a right to be cared for. He's got a right to be naturalized, evangelized, and even brought into the family of God. The stranger's got a right. God and God said, "You know the heart of a stranger." There was a time I was without God, yes, in darkness, and somebody came to me. I was in a meeting not long ago, and a little girl from uh, somewhere over, uh, missionary wife over in uh, Eastern Europe somewhere. She stood up and said, I am a result of the mission program. I am the result. Some missionary warned me. And the Holy Spirit said, you're the result yourself in the mission program. That's right. I myself, and I'm, I'm the result. Uh, Paul, Paul, somebody was praying by a riverside. Yes, sir. Swimming, meeting by a riverside, was praying. And, and God said to Paul, come over and help us. And he goes to Philippi and and we get we start to be evangelists. Into Europe and, into and, Europe and right here we are sitting yeah. talking about mission. Absolutely. <laughs> so we're all part of the mission program. That's right. So you're in quite a few churches. You mentioned that you you've been preaching missions conferences a long time. And you you're in quite a few churches every year preaching missions conferences. A lot of those churches are you, you describe them as being small church, smaller churches, mm-hmm. not big churches. I guess you've had quite a few opportunities to encourage smaller churches to get involved in giving to missions. Yeah. It's been a real blessing over the years. I've been able to introduce Faith Promise to lots of smaller churches around the South. Matter of fact, uh, we were able to get Faith Promise started in the Cebu Island in the Philippines. We were able to get Faith Promise started this last year in eight indigenous churches in on New Britain Island in Papua New Guinea. I love it. Eight, they don't have nothing but shells to give, but they're giving. So we've been able to see God work in this area in lots of places. I got a little internal goal that's in my heart. I've never made, God hadn't done for me yet. But you know, I know churches, good church you're in, Church of Shady Acres can break a million dollars in missions and they're giving. I've tried, my prayer is to raise a million in my missions conferences every year. And uh, that's what I'm looking for in all the little churches I get. And I hadn't made a million yet, but I'm, really cl- I'm getting closer. Good. And uh, some some churches have, I've seen churches grow from their first conference, $12,000 a year, to now they're at 60000 I've seen some go from 50000 to 180000 I know they're growing, they're learning. And uh, so it's been a great, great joy and a great blessing. To meet in the mission with the missionaries, they're my kind of people. I'm, I'm glad to be around. They got big vision. I don't like I don't like these little small dried up ideas. I, I, I'm looking for something that's moving. Well, if our if if our motivation really is the glory of the Lord because He is worthy, yeah. we're not going to give too much to this no, cause. No. That's for sure. But, yeah. but with that said, it's not ultimately about the dollar figure. No, that's why it is good to be in the New, in New Guinea or yeah. in the Philippines right. and get involved in this because Absolutely. the Lord is worthy. And these things are, when it comes to the judgment seat of Christ, some of this stuff's relative. Yeah. One church can give a million dollars. Another church can give $10,000. The question is, did they do what they yeah. can? Yeah, the principle in 2 Corinthians is by equality. Yeah. So what he says is not to, I'll be you be burdened to other man ease. But... You know, when I go to a missions conference, I usually make a dumb statement when I start. I usually say, I came for three things. I came for your heart, 
I came for your money and I came for your children. Trying for God to call your children. That's what I want to see him do. But I can say that because, you know, I gave my children to the Lord. And uh, my daughter, my daughter was, when she first went to Papua New Guinea, the first night time I was there where they got her house, house built, and they're on the mission station, and I was getting ready to leave. And it was really a hard time. I was, uh, she had decided I was going, and I decided I was going. In the morning, it's time to go. You know, this is done. So it was it was a hard thing, and I was praying about it, kind of upset. And I, and there had been some trouble around the mission station that day. And so I, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm really troubled. I said, I, I'm, I'm asking you, Lord, is this worth it? This is my baby girl living alone in the rainforest. Is it, is it really worth it? Am I getting this right? Is this worth it? And he said to me, you're asking me the wrong question. He said, the question is not, is it worth it? The question is, am I worthy? And at that point, all reserves were broken. That's the perspective. He's worthy. You know, he gave up. He, he had one son, Brother Allen would say, and he made him a missionary. He sent him <laughs> here to this earth for us, you know. And so I've walked away, giving my child to a lost world. I've walked away from that. So I know a shadow, a glimpse of what the father thought. My, my children are all out everywhere preaching, doing something. But it's something to be invested in this where it's not just your money, it's your heart, yes, it's your mind, it's your soul. It's, and uh, that's what we're going to burn up. Let's just burn out doing something for God. Amen. Yeah. Well, it is more than money, but if your money's not invested, your heart's not going to be in it. Where you treasure, where your money is, where your treasure is, where your heart's going to be. That's what the Lord says, what He said about it. And I do think, brother, that um, um, I want to see more go. I think that that's something that should be cultivated generationally. You pointed out last night in the in the missions conference, we had a couple of missionaries here that were second generation, mm -hmm. and then at least one family had a third generation. That's right. Well, that that'll thrill your heart. Absolutely. And and it's pretty exciting to think. And I I mean, I think the Lord will probably come pretty soon. But we've been saying that a long time. We don't sure. know. We just want we want to occupy till He comes. But if we're not getting a little church can get involved in missions and what that what that can turn into, you know, Cornerstone and Shady Acres didn't start off giving a million dollars to missions. No, sir. They didn't start off with missionaries all over the world. No, sir. They started doing what they can and that developed into something bigger than anybody expected. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and just think about the, this is a little mission story, my protective perspective. Some time ago, I was preaching in a meeting in Mexico, and always the people saved, but nobody was saved that night. And I couldn't see anybody born. So I asked the missionary there, I said, Ruben Rell, I said, Ruben, did anybody get saved tonight? He said, I'm pretty sure. So we go down the road, his wife here, she, she, she don't know it either, so she's investigating. Ruben, did anybody get saved? He said, I'm, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure. And so she didn't let it go. Who got saved? And he said, I support missionaries. Brother Tim supports missionaries. We all support missionaries. <laughs> Some of us, girl, had somebody saved tonight. And, and that's the true story, brother. You can take a little church. I, I preach in some missions conference and churches got 35 people. In. But they're giving to see this work go. And it's the same money that Cornerstone's giving to. It's the same work that Shady Acres giving to. It's the same work that Bethany or I'm at is pouring the money into. We're, we're, we're seeing God's work go around. And lots of us have the same missionaries. Yes, sir. Money that you give in your church goes in the pocket of lots of the guys that I, our church gives money to goes in that pocket. Right. So this is the work of the church. It's not, a, not our hobby. It's the work. But we do reiterate here and, and believe. I, I teach my people that whatever you expect out of that, that missionary, he expects out of you. Because, like, preacher, if you leave and go to Africa, you're trusting me. You're going to leave your relatives and your loved ones and your cousin and your family to go to a field to read somebody else. But you're trusting me to get that done for you at home. It's my job sure. to reap down these fields. If you're, Those are my fields in Africa you're reaping down. But you expected me to get yours reaped down over here. It's our 
our work that fits together. It is the work of the church. Amen. I think there are some a bunch of country churches that are getting the job done much as any big church proportionally yeah. and, and really faithful. I, I think I do think it's a shame that, that probably there's a sentiment at times that, well, what can our little country church do? But I'm I'm glad I'm glad a man like yourself is getting around yeah. encouraging churches. I don't I don't know if this is a, I wouldn't want to be misunderstood. I realize this could be this could be overstated. I think that there are some country churches that their very existence in their little pocket of these rural areas in America is at least partially justified by their investment in world missions. My young men that go out here to uh, pastor, take churches, they, uh, the first issue we want to know is where they stand at on that book. The second issue we want to know is do they support missionaries? Amen. That's exactly it. If, you, if, that, if that church is supporting missionaries and doing its best, then God will see to that church gets what it needs. If they're just out there living for themselves with a religious club, then they're going to have to make it somehow. Oh, no. I believe that so strongly that there are churches and good friends of mine that I quit preaching for. I just wow. told them, don't call me back no more until you get some missionaries on that wall. Wow. Don't call me back. Because uh, I made a conscious decision. I don't run the camp meetings. I can't do that in pastor. I'm gone too much. And uh, my wife and I decided many years ago that we would let God set the comp the schedule for the missions conference. And so when I'm leaving, I'm usually going to a missions conference. And uh, the Lord set it up that way. And we trusted him to see that we got where we needed to go on those. And it's been a great it's been a great blessing to deal with, with these little with these little meetings around the around the country, around the around this this nation and in foreign countries. Uh, it's amazing to see what God can do. He'll get it done. Amen. He'll get his work done if we just stick with him. My pastor, he's preached in probably some decent-sized churches, but uh, I don't think there's anything that excites him as, as much as, as I've seen at, at times when he's come back from a church with just a, with just a handful. Our second, we're sort of early, I, I say early, relatively early on in our, in our deputation process. I guess about the second church that our family visited was uh, not very far from our home church. It was on a Sunday night. This little this little building, uh, it, the building fit the church. There are about a dozen people in the church. Sweet spirit. The uh, song leader got up. He's wearing bib overalls. Leads, you know, the the song service. It was a sweet spirit. Yeah. I I I preached my guts out to that dozen people plus my family mm -hmm. that was one of our first supporting churches that church their their children's sunday school they got a handful of kids they sent us they had all filled out cards for our family sent series of questions mailed it to us yeah. that preacher's contacted me twice since we've been That's to the church uh i was so encouraged yeah. dozen people yeah. getting something done for god yeah you know how it is in the history of this missions program in America, after World War II, America sent out more missionaries than any other time, and we were in that depression. And so they did it. They did it off of little country farms, planting an extra acre. The, <laughs> old, the old guy called it God's Acre. And uh, and so they would reap that in, and whatever they got off of that acre, they would send it to the mission field. And uh, we still have guys here that practice that principle. i got one guy who gives every third job, whatever that job, third job is. It's a big job. It's a good offer. It's a little bitty job. It's not much, but it, he gives every third job on top of his offering. And we have, you know, we have people that look for some way like that to to get involved. And I mean, God knows how to bless His acre. Yes, he knows how to let the poison blow over there and take care of the weeds and send the rain in the right place. He knows how to do what's for His. So it, it's not always about. I mean, it was just one lad that had five loaves and two fishes, and I. Don't, I, I just kind of believe that maybe his idea was maybe not anybody else is going to eat today, but the Lord's going to eat. Because I got his lunch. I got a lunch. I'm giving mine to him. That's all he needed for five thousand, to feed 5,000 men. So, Point is, everybody can do something. Can do something. 
And most of us can do more. Right. Yeah, that's the other thing when I get to a place that call me the more preacher because they know I'm going to ask them for more. But you know, I don't want my faith to be the same as it as it was last year. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Brother, I spoke to Brother Allen. He taught us lots about it. And Brother Allen used to say, if you give the same this year that you gave last year, that means the missionaries that we've got can stay. He said, if you give less, the missionaries we've got got to come home. But if you'll give a little more, maybe we can get another missionary. And so that's that's the pattern. We want to be stretched. We we don't want to do the same that we did last year. And we we and God we ought to know by now. For fifty two weeks we've been praying this offering. It's a prayed in offering and a prayed out offering. We prayed it in from God. We prayed it out to the world. And so now we know God will meet this need. So we can trust Him for something there. Yeah, and brother, lest any of our listeners just get a little bit nervous from this money talk. Yeah. In 2 Corinthians 8, it's really a matter of spiritual growth. Absolutely. Because you are never, you've never arrived. You've always got room to grow. Absolutely. And if you're growing in your understanding of the Word of God, if you're growing in your ability to give out the gospel, Mm -hmm. if you're growing in your prayer life, if you're growing in your love for the people of God, what it says in 2 Corinthians 8 is, see that you abound in this grace also. Also, it's a a grace also. That's right. So it goes hand in hand uh, with growing. I don't think anybody's growing. Uh, what good is a Bible? What, what, what good would it be for God to show me the deep treasures of the Word of God if I was just going to stay at home with it or use it to argue to prove somebody out what I knew? I think He gave it to me to pour out. He was always, God's always filling up in the Bible. He's always filling something empty and He's always pouring something out. Yes, sir. And that's what He wants to do. Fill us up. To, with the Spirit of God to overflowing and let the let the world live off the overflow. Amen. Well, brother, you've you've uh, to 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 try to to begin winding this up. You have been. You really are. You're you're carrying this forward. This business of faith, promise, missions, giving, and provoking churches to get involved in worldwide missions and encouraging churches to be missions minded. Uh, in your own way, you're carrying this into another generation of churches you've been around some of these men like homer smith mm-hmm. billy allen jack wood you mentioned these men who have made a difference who raised a lot of money yes, for missions who provoked a lot of churches to get involved i i'm wondering this uh and and no doubt you've been a lot of great missions meetings you've not always been the guy preaching you you sat under those other men heard them preach you've heard them raise money. You've heard them stir the people of God to give. So given your interest in missions, your longstanding involvement in supporting missions, I'm wondering if there are any trends in this generation that are of concern to you or that are cause for encouragement for you when it comes to the missions involvement of independent Baptist churches. Well, you know, we'd like to say that we're just completely encouraged that, uh, the, the mission work's going to go forward stronger, but it, it's not true. The more that we look, the more that we see the compromise and the coldness and the carnality of our churches, this is a more overworld. So people that are not interested in God are not, in the first mile are not at all interested in the second mile. Right. And so we have a, we've got this, this adjustment to the world that's going on in our churches. And, uh, our people are not willing to pay the sacrifice. They're not willing to bear any kind of convictions. They're not willing to bear, take, take much preaching. They're not willing to walk very very far along with the Lord, get out of their comfort zone hardly any, at all anymore. And it seems extreme. If I'm there and I can't even make it to church three nights a week, yes, it seems awful extreme to ask you, me, to give you my child to send to the mission field. You know, missionaries are raised, they're trained in homes. That's right. And if that home is not mission-minded, if it's carnal, if it's out to, I'm not talking about wicked. I mean, just world, just worldliness. If it's just living for what this world can give, then there's there's hardly any way to produce a missionary out of that because the very idea of a missionary is giving up there. You know, we, we talk this stuff, but when you, when you sit down at that bedroom and you reduce a lifetime, into two suitcases that you can put on an airplane and carry across the world. This thing gets really real, real fast. Yes, sir. And so 
it's kind of it's concerning to us as we watch these voices arise that are arguing about things that make no difference at all in the overall scheme of things. And they seem to be trumping everything. The, the social media, the internets are running wild with these guys that are arguing over things and the churches are splintering off. And, then, and every time you do, the missionary gets hurt. Every time we do, the mission work gets stopped. Nowadays, you know, if we want to build these bus ministries and, and I mean, uh, like a, not not to pick up souls, but to build these works like, you know, we're going to Disneyland, we're going to have the old folks, man, we're going to marriage, we're going to have all this stuff. That's great if a church can afford it, but don't lose the idea that the lion's share of our, we're working for the night's coming when no man can work. And and let's, let's get this, let's build strong families, build strong lives, but let's keep our, why are we doing that? For the glory of God. Why? So we can be winning souls. Everything we, every verse in that book ought to take us back to Christ and everything that we do in the local church ought to take us back to getting getting Christ glorified, and that would be in seeing His His church and His, his gospel preached around the world. Well, I just I have a problem with uh, some of this, and you know it as well as I do. We got a lot of compromise coming in. The minute I there's certain kinds of things that happen in the church when that starts happening, that mission program fades. The second thing that's a problem that I've seen. Oh, because I'm preaching now over decades, is that we got churches, good, solid churches, that love God and give to missions, and they're missions-minded. But the kids, now they're 30. They're going to they're gonna be here for missions conference. They're going to give, and they're going to support, and they're going to love the missionaries. But they don't have the same heart that mom and daddy had hmm. because they always grew up around missions, and it's just their thing. We've got to inspire in them the grace of God, the glory it is to be involved in God's work. And I think the best way to do it is to open that book, get back to 2 Corinthians 8, 9, and 10, Philippians chapter 4, where you preached last night in Isaiah 6, and just teach God is a going God. Amen. Amen. Sounds like a missions-minded church really is a... uh... We're not, we're not just taking an offering. We're trying to promote a lifestyle. We are trying to develop a way of life where we're not distracted with carnal, temporal things, mm-hmm. where our eyes are on the prize of the glory of God and getting the gospel around the world. I think you did, on brother. I think that's a whole, a whole deal, and we're just, we're just a little part of this thing. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just what we do. Yeah. It's just what we do. It's who we are. God saved us. God pulled us out of the miry clay, set our feet on a solid rock. So we want everybody to know about it. You made an observation this week that, that I thought was interesting. It may have been just sort of a, an off-the-cuff observation, but um, you've mentioned in the past seeing some seeing, seeing young men, let's say, respond to a call to missions. Um, and and actually being being confronted with the Great Commission and pressed to to give it some serious consideration. And I, if I'm not mistaken, you made the observation that that men surrendering to foreign mission service seems to be a less uh, frequent occurrence. Yeah. You think yeah. that's right? I do. I believe it's right. I've noticed it. Uh, I've noticed it. Uh, getting more and more predominant as we go along. Uh, there used to be a, an element of guys in every missions conference who was ready to charge. And they, they had the romance of missions in their mind. I mean, they were, <laughs> they were adventurers. They were ready to go for the glory of God. And those guys, you want to say, hey, man, calm down. Stay with God. Get some maturity. See where God's going to put you. Let God open a door. But now, brother, there's no interest you get, through, you get through preaching a missions conference, you're preaching your heart out, and these people are ready to give, and you look back through there, back through the crowd, and uh, the, old, the old senior saints, they're, find, they're trying to find some way to get some more money in. They're trying to go. I've got one old guy, 85, 86 years old. He's going every day for somewhere to reach somebody. But the young people are just so enamored by this world, and I think the parents don't know that their hearts are becoming so hard by all the technology, technology. and the, the spiritual atmosphere around us 
that God is trying to get at their minds, and they know they know if He does what it's going to cost them, and so they just they don't even think it's a viable option. But 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 I, what I am seeing is I am seeing a lot of men that have been in the ministry here at home behind the pulpit. It's it's a good many of those men nowadays are saying, hey, "I need to go to farm too," and I'm seeing some women, some girls. They'll come down and say, it's someplace that I can serve, something I can do. And so we just really, missions work on a mission field, I hope I can say this right, is a man's job. Yes, sir. It's not a kid's job. I mean, don't use your kids, but this is a job for men, spiritual men. God's answer for every problem that I can find in the New Testament has been spiritual men. Every time there's a problem, it's spiritual men God raises up to meet that need. And I think we got a real problem in America today where men want to be men. Facing this fact that one day you're going to look at Savior in the face. And this is your time. Spurgeon's gone, Brother Lee. Yeah. He's done his work. He's done it. J. Oswald Smith is gone. Yeah. You know, those men have done their work. They've been here. This is our time. We're born for such a time as this. Yes, sir. We're accountable for this generation. But it's hard to give American men, young men, to put their shoulder under the burden. And uh, there's still good men out there. I don't want to belittle them, but it's hard to get them to put their shoulder under the burden and recognize, hey, you know, I'm I'm willing to do this, Lord. Whatever it is that you want me to do, I'm ready to do it. Well, brother, I do think that uh, kind of sort of bringing this full circle I think that what you've just described is, I think it's typical of the society in which we live. It's not just in the church. Right. Uh, we're looking at the judgment of God upon a nation, like you read in Isaiah chapter 3, where women rule over them and children are their oppressors. And um, there's a, there is a crisis of masculinity, and it's tied in with some of this, some of this technology yeah. and the emphasis on athletics. Yep. Yeah. An emphasis on video games, and um, so so missions minded. It's more than having a missions conference. I'd say it is. It is getting first things first, and uh, having our lives, having our families, biblically ordered. Because boy, this this work uh, it should get our it should get the best of our young men, yeah. not the left of them. Right. Who's he gonna call from? Can't call from the world. Can't call from the government. He's got to call from someone. Can't call from carnal churches. He can't call from churches that, that are, they don't even have a proper Bible. They don't even know any doctrine. So what in the world are we going to do? It narrows the ability to reach the world down extremely. But it's not, it's not undoable because Gideon had to cut to 300. Right, right. God's got the people here to get this done in this yeah. generation. And it can be. Coca-Cola's all over the world. I've never been anywhere in the world I couldn't get Coke. Right. So we can get done. We just need to put our hand to the plow and, and, and get done and, and catch this vision. It's this vision. Get our eyes out there on these fields. They're white in the harvest. What can I do, Lord? And, and, and here I am. Send me. Well, Brother Ellis, I don't, you know, I, I certainly want, want our listeners to get the impression that, the, that we're just uh, bemoaning the lack of interest. I, I have hope for this proposition. Yeah, absolutely. I believe that churches in Laodicea can be missions-minded, yeah. can get things done. Yeah. And I, I shared with you, or I shared with the church last night, I've been in some churches where I've had a, of late, where I've had a lot to be encouraged about. Absolutely. Where I see the Lord doing some yeah. things. And I think maybe in part it's because some of this, some of the sheen of this world has been stripped off yeah. here lately. Yeah. And uh, hopefully it will, it will, It'll leave us with with what really matters, and we'll get back to the main thing. If you can get among if you can get among nationals in nearly any country in the world, you can see the amazing fire of almost Acts Acts two. You can, you can see that desire moving. I mean, brother, I, I could just go for hours upon hours of the miraculous stories that I've seen national people do to win their home. I've seen them carry generators for eight hours just so they can put a tent up to somebody can preach. I've seen them do all kinds of things. I, I've seen them go to a place and just say, okay, I'm not coming back home. This is where I need to be. No no support, anything. I'm just going. I got here. And, uh, you 
know, and we've, we know, you and I both, probably, I know I could name two or three young men that went on a mission trip and just stayed. <laughs> you know, this is where I got to do something. So, I mean, it's not like that, uh, it's not like the devil is going to shut down God's work for world missions. He's not going to get it done. The problem is, are we going to get a hold of this grace and get involved in it? Yes, sir. And let him, uh, and that's where I want to be. I don't, I want to be involved with him. Old preacher Earl Hughes used to say that if you get in, the, if you get in the traces, if you get in the harness with the Lord, every now and then, maybe at the end of the road, you'll bump up against him. And if you want to meet the Lord, I'll tell you where you'll meet. Ruth met Boaz in the field. Yes, sir. That's where it all happened in that field. And if you want to meet the Lord, you get God where He's at. He's out there working in the field. You, you, you're, you're bumping with Christ out there. Amen. Brother Ellis, I sure appreciate your heart for missions. I appreciate uh, the heart that Bethany has for worldwide missions. And I thank you for having this conversation with me today. Appreciate you having me talk. Thanks for tuning in for my conversation with Pastor Ellis on being missions-minded. I hope it stirred you to think about doing what you can to get the gospel around the world. If you'd like additional pastoral perspectives on missions, giving, and missions trips, I'd recommend the interviews with Pastor Adam Thompson and my pastor, Pastor Ron Ralph, both from Season 1. You can subscribe to this program wherever you receive your podcasts, and if it's been a blessing to you, please feel free to invite others to tune in. I always welcome your feedback. You can contact me, Brother Lee, by email at greatcommissionconversations at gmail.com. Until next time, let's be missions-minded and do what we can to preach the gospel in the regions beyond.